0: Welcome to the Basement Astrologers, coming to you live from the middle of the middle west here in above average St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Kip from Udamania Astrology, and with me is Meredith, hello of Earthling Astrology. It's June eighth, twenty eighteen at one twenty nine p.m., and we are going to be the band leaders on this parade. Today we have a bunch of fun topics. If you're not completely exhausted listening to stories of UAC, I'm going to talk a little bit about what. I experienced at the United Astrology Conference. Then I'm going to lay out a little bit about what I learned of the moon at the conference to give you a feel of how different ideas of astrology can be in, uh, incorporated together and assist someone's overall understanding while going to a huge, overwhelming conference like that. Then, Meredith and I are going to talk about astrological certifications and how they factor into the practice. Anything to add before we start, Meredith? Nope, I'm ready. Great. So, the United Astrology Conference, or more uh, tenderly referred to as UAC.
1: I was bummed to miss it, but I did obsessively follow the Twitter feed. <laughs> There's so much <laughs> social
0: media. I feel negligent.
1: Um, yeah, I am very curious. I, I, I want to ask you which uh, programs you went to. I saw the directory, which was about what 100 pages of things to do and, oh and information and I was overwhelmed just looking at that book so I can't imagine being there and just being fried and being excited and <laughs> just burnout I'm sure at the end but let's hear about your experience
0: so I'm just going to lightly introduce you Ak the United Astrology Conference happens once every four to six years and it's the West's largest astrology get-together I didn't even know it's four to six years I didn't every realize, four to six years yep
1: oh, I thought it was more like more often
0: so there's three basic uh, astrological groups. There's NCGR, there's AFAM, and then there is ISAR. I'm not going to break down the acronyms. Cause... Okay.
1: No, I thought the UAC one was more often, but my, my bad.
0: Right. Well, each one of those um, organizations has their own conference every year, except the year where there's UAC. Uh, and that's UAC takes place, it's everyone together. That's why yeah. it's United. So there were four talks per day, each one around an hour and a half. And each time there was a talk, you had a selection of eight to ten different astrologers. And it was super hard to pick.
1: You mean not four talks, but four talks going on at once?
0: No, no, no. There were four different sessions during the day. Where there were eight to ten different talks going on during those sessions. Okay, that's a lot. It was unbelievable. (laughs) I would go through the book and I would circle things that I potentially wanted to go to, with the plan of xing the one that I that when I went back I would choose. I mean, sometimes I'd have like six things circled. I can't
1: remember. Yeah, how mutable are you? Like, how hard was it? Super mutable. Yeah. yeah.
0: Indecisive.
1: I mean, mean, especially something like that. Um. Oh no, that book. I mean, that looks awesome. Like, I wish. I know you can actually. Purchase the talks through yeah. UX website. Um, some might be on YouTube for free. I think a few astrologers threw them out there. But
0: So there were also lunch lectures. And some ah. of the lunch lectures were amazing. And those are on YouTube um, for the most part. People record Lunch them. lectures? For example, Ellen El- uh, Adam Ellenbos, uh who was my original teacher. Just read his book. Yeah. Uh, he did a lunch talk. And it was so packed. I mean, there were people in the hallway looking into the room.
1: Oh, he put it. On his email, I think, and Yeah, on website. his YouTube, yeah. totally. Yep, okay.
0: Um, so just a quick breeze over the people that I went to who I was really excited to see, and, and they just delivered. I saw Carolyn Casey twice.
1: Okay, and what did she speak about?
0: Carolyn Casey uh, is... She, or what were her talks? Well, her talks, one was on Uranus and Taurus, and one was on the trickster redeemer and all of us. She mm. is a freewheeling speaker, a ton of astrology embedded in. Uh, but a lot more um, affirmations, some great quotes, just really almost uh, an inspirational <laughs> astrological speaker. She does a weekly uh, radio show called, um, man, I just listened to it. It's uh, out of San Francisco, and it's called The Visionary Activist. So if people are interested, you can get it on um, you know any of your podcatchers. It's really great. Um, I saw Chris Brennan talk about the Master of the Nativity, which was a really good talk. I did saw. he just
1: do the one talk? He did a
0: couple talks. Okay, um, and I, there are so many people to see. I had to skip Chris Brenham talks.
1: Um, yeah, my f- I had a friend that went to Chris' uh, master's activity as mm-hmm. well. It was yeah. super good. Good things.
0: All of the traditional track talks were standing room only. I mean, people turned away. At well,
1: them. I saw on Twitter people sit on the floor. Oh and yeah, that's tough for
0: <laughs> sure. Um, Dorian Greenbaum, who just got her PhD, did a talk on the Daimon. And it was super good. My my, my handle is Udamania Astrology, the Good Daemon, and she yeah. did this really long talk on the Daemon, which was fantastic. Cool. Uh, then Lee Layman on Fixed Stars. Lee Layman is uh, a doctor of I forget, just super bright, <laughs> um, a linchpin in the astrological community. I got to hear Demetra George talk. Oh, you did. She is um, the diminutive spitfire that you would hope that Demetra was. I saw three others I want to bring up when I kind of talk about the moon. I'm going to hold off and keep you in suspense. (laughs) And my seat. (laughs) The things I wanted to bring up about the conference specifically is it is super overwhelming. Now, not only just selecting what you're going to do, but yeah. also just the energy. So many excited people. Um, you know, you could bring in kind of the spirituality stuff. The only thing I, I would really compare it to was I, I've been to a couple of rainbow gatherings. So you have that intensity, just a lot of intense people in there. Um, you know, really their element, something they don't get to do all the time, um, but just the, the, the intensity. Figuring out where they're going to go. Everyone's in the same frenzied state. It was nuts.
1: I was totally comparing it in my head to (laughs) Comic-Con because like it's kind of like that. All these similar interests and people are super excited. And that's how I feel at Comic-Con. What what what, do I do next? You went to Comic-Con. Yeah, I go all the time.
0: (laughs) Or the the local ones. I uh, had heard it called Astrological Disney World and I think that is 100% fair. Um, like, so when a guy like Rick Levine gives a talk, even though I've heard him speak on some of those topics before, uh, it's still just incredible. I mean, it like full on unbelievable. These guys are powerhouses. They have their, their complete, uh, integrated masters of their craft. And it's just, it's so it's overwhelming just to be there. Uh, but then you have these people, uh, who get up and who just knock it out of the park. Like you just hoped. Another person who I saw was a guy named um, Michael Earlywine, who ended up winning the Regulus Award for Lifetime Achievement. And because he spent the entire time he was there sitting in a booth um, helping people learn about their heliocentric chart, he was in sleep. He skipped the banquet, went to sleep, and won the biggest award, the biggest Regulus. And he wasn't there? No, he was in his bedroom just asleep in his Aww. room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was awesome, um, just a lifetime of dedication. I went to one of his talks, and it was – what I learned from my 50 years of astrology and found out this guy's like this incredible dude who's a professional musician, opened up for Cream. He's written a million books. Really? Uh, he also was the first guy to code astrology software, so he was just on the cutting edge of that. I love that stuff. I love backstories. He's um, also a Dharma bum. He has a house that went turned into a retreat, and when uh, a lot of the llamas were kicked out of Tibet, tons of them just stayed with him. <laughs> And he's been practicing uh, Tibetan meditation just forever.
1: That is amazing.
0: He was an amazing guy. Um, other things that I really wanted to point out is the bookstore is better than you think. <laughs> Everyone I, is talking about the bookstore. Oh, man. I had a budget and I went over budget. There are some really cool people, especially from, say, like an Indian perspective, selling stones and selling charms. Okay. That was really neat. I've never been around that before. Lee Lehman was selling... Um, Oh, how am I not going to come up with the word? Uh, but basically, astrological magic totems that she made. Uh, the fact that I can't uh, pull it is is just ridiculous. But it was awesome. Lee Layman selling magical items that she herself created. I mean, you just can't get that anywhere else. Were there... Like the bookstore was it
1: like a gift shop too? Was there tarot cards? Were there was there jewelry or was it just
0: mainly books? I don't books? remember if I saw tarot cards, but okay. it was there, it was a it was a marketplace and people had booths. Some of them were like and it hospitality was just booths. Like,
1: this isn't a hotel in Chicago, mm-hmm. so was it just a, one of those hotel conference rooms they turn into a bookstore? Right.
0: Okay. Uh, one thing you couldn't get is you couldn't get um, a reading there, uh, which I thought was interesting. Some of the people by I anyone? Met, yeah. They well they just. I'm sure you could ask someone and they would have given you a reading, but they didn't have anything set up Mm, in the bookshop.
1: Maybe there's regulations about that. Could Um, be, yeah. yeah.
0: We actually got a a welcome from the council member from that area, legit like a welcome from the City Council of Chicago talking about astrology, and it was great. Someone read it at the opening ceremony. That's really cool. The person who ran it, and I should have written down her name, but she did an amazing job. She did such a good job that one of the young ladies I met who was just in her first Saturn return was talking about she was inspired to one day organize a UAC because of what an amazing job this lady who set up and ran the UAC did. So just across the board. You just couldn't have knocked it out of the park more.
1: No, it sounded like it was awesome. Everyone had a great time. It was well organized, which we appreciate being earth (laughs) signs. But yeah, just... I mean when you got home were you just burnt out
0: <laughs> yeah and then i got stuck in the airport somehow there was a huge storm oh, right you over flew? minneapolis yep wow and uh, the t- flights from minneapolis to chicago like so
1: 45 cheap. minutes and you know hundred yeah, bucks yeah cheap like really it only saves mass. you about a half hour though <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um but then i was able to take the train to it i mean ha- a big city with proper transportation is killer oh chicago's amazing um yeah, so there's a huge storm. We land in lacrosse for some reason. It's only a two hour drive from Minneapolis. And we got on the plane and got off the plane. Got on the plane and got off the plane. But I met two astrologers on my plane who were coming back to Minneapolis, so it was really neat.
1: So you actually had to land unplanned?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then we would get oh. on the plane because they open up the Minneapolis airport and then they close it again, we'd all have to get off.
1: God, what storm was that? I mean we've kind of had storms, but wow, all right. You didn't tell me that story, right? Like hey, so wow.
0: You're <laughs> learning stuff on the pod. Uh, so I just Adventures. quickly now want to talk a little bit about how I use the conference to learn more. So I listen to Carolyn Casey all the time. And getting to see her live was amazing. In fact, one night there was a, uh, like a silent auction and I went up later with a couple friends and I saw Carolyn there and I totally geeked out, got my picture taken with her, um, just heaped praise upon her like, you're the greatest. I might have been a little tipsy. <laughs> um, but uh, besides some of those great talks by people who I really knew were going to deliver, I tried to go with some stuff that either sounded interesting or was outside the box.
1: Um, Like, do you mean stuff you don't feel like you want to learn more about it or you haven't studied it that
0: much or what drew you to these? Both. So I have a deep interest in the moon currently. I'm doing these new moon talks. Right. You kind of heard You're me go. about it. right Right. Um, so I wanted to do some moon stuff. But also, I if there's a place in my astrology, I don't feel as secure as I'd like to. It's the node. So I wanted to hit some nodal stuff, too. Oh, it would have been funny if you said, "I don't feel secure with the moon."
1: <laughs> security. security. Um, but no, I, I'm glad you're getting in the nodes, and I'm. I really want to hear what you learned.
0: I went to one Stephen Forrest talk about the nodes, um, and it was not fantastic. What? What? He. Uh,
1: I. That, I heard. I heard another opinion that it was. So, so
0: an example. Um, Kelsey, who I met at the conference, she also went to the same Stephen Forrest talk. And she literally was moved to tears. She had never heard Stephen Forrest talk before. She's into evolutionary. I astrology. think he's fantastic. I, I do too. Out. I'm not yeah. dogging Stephen Forrest. <laughs> yeah, um, but it just wasn't. It didn't resonate with me, which is kind of my note. My nodal thing. I need, you know, I I need to flesh out my feelings and the nodes, and it didn't right. assist me.
1: That's okay. Each their own. Yeah.
0: Um, and I also saw a Chiron talk that just wasn't <gasps> legit. Um, really? Yeah. Um. The the lady just um. My guess is it's she's been to four different UX, and she's a really well-known astrologer in New York, and she just uh, her presentation compared to some of the others just wasn't up to snuff.
1: This is why I love astrology because we all you know view the world through our own lens, and I you know talked to a friend who went to similar the same talks as
0: you and had a completely different experience. I bet she did not go to that Chiron talk and like it. There were a lot of Chiron talks. Oh, okay. So my example is with that is not every single talk at the entire thing where they were like. 400 talks, I don't know, yeah. not everyone was a home run, right. um, but you had a chance to go to like so many different things. And so what I just really want to talk about briefly is some impressions I got about the moon and how, hopefully, uh, how I'm incorporating those into my uh, farm-to-table slow food movement astrology with, that has its base in some of those traditional Hellenistic techniques, but also tries to incorporate things from the outside. Are these things you learned at the conference
1: you're going to talk about? Or I'm going to talk of... about
0: three talks on the moon, okay. using the moon specifically. Got it. And then about how those talks interact with each other oh. um, and how you can kind of pull apart how the different influences of different schools of thought and thinking about things work and how it's easier to do when you have really, you know, people who are experts in these areas discussing them in open ways. Um, and how I just feel like there's a lot of learning besides fun and everything that goes on at these conferences.
1: All right. Some reverse engineering. Let's hear it.
0: So the first one I went to was a person named Linda Lehman. Now, I'd never heard of her and her talk, uh, the 28 phases of the moon and what they'd be like if you met them at breakfast. um, I I picked it out purposely because I wanted to go to something that was outside my box. I didn't know who she was. I knew it was a moon talk. Now, she brought up this moon theory that's somewhat related to dean rudyard but was based on yates and it came from a single book called phases of the moon a guide to the evolving human nature and it's by marilyn busteed and dorothy virgin i have not heard of that one so if you want to know more about it i actually bought the book i'm holding it in my hand just email the basement astrologers at gmail i'll send you a link to it the reason i bring this up is it talks about 28 specific phases of the moon based on where the moon is in your birth chart. You count from the sun to the moon and you do that in degrees and then you figure out where in the phases that moon fits. Now this is a really natural technique for a Hellenistic astrologer because figuring out kind of midpoints between the sun and the moon, that kind of thing in the chart itself is very similar to the lot of spirit or the lot of fortune. So that's natural. And additionally. When you have 28 specific phases, that's similar to the lunar mansions, which spoiler alert, we'll get to later, or say uh, the faces um, or, you know, there's a lot of demarcations that are similarly set out. The thing that I found especially fascinating was Yates is not an astrologer uh, and he actually worked on this, um, almost channeling it with his spouse and they wrote it up and it's been adapted kind of through um, just intellectual gathering into these uh this kind of astrology guidance and and it works a lot based on kind of the synodic cycle of the moon so you know uh, that first quarter moon you are young and green and growing second quarter moon you're coming into your own you got a lot of vim and vigor you're uh you're expanding you're you're really taking things on to your own then you have the full moon in that third phase where you're um grown all the way up and you're um now kind of going out in the world and interacting with it as a, as a fully activated human. Then you got that fourth quarter where um, you're slowing down. You need to set aside your will. You need to be a teacher and serve. I, I'm, I'm breaking this down extremely loosely. But that same idea of the synodic cycle has been talked about with almost every planet as it relates to the sun. And it, it's somewhat natural to talk about the moon that way. But then you think of Yates, a, a non-astrologer who more or less channeled this information, and it, a lot of it matches up really closely. So to me, you know, ding, ding, there's something here that needs to be looked at. Uh-huh. Furthermore, uh, Linda Lehman said that in her practice, she, she got this book gifted to her uh, that was found at maybe a garage sale by just relatives who knew she was interested in astrology. And since that point, using these determiners in her astrology meetings with clients, has been the most um, beneficial thing she's done. When peop- when she talks about this information to those people, they feel heard, they feel understood. And I thought that that was the kind of thing coming from someone with a track record of lots of astrological readings, which really led ballast to her position. Okay. No, that was
1: um, interesting. You just kind of blew my mind. Um, a lot of, I just picked different things out of your story um like so go back to Yeats. yeah um did she talk about him him right? really like, briefly
0: so Yeats, for people who don't know is an irish poet uh who lived kind of a tortured irish life really famous i mean uh magnificent poet master poet uh uh, uh just perhaps to, channel this poetry could like, be yeah so that stuff's interesting you know it makes yeah. you think he, he was a Golden Dawn practitioner at a time where in spiritualism and the, kind of the Golden Dawn was taking off. So it's not abnormal to hear that there was an interrelatedness to uh, okay. kind of a, a poetic uh, spiritual guy interacting with some magical practices. Um, but very little to know astrology other than this uh, this moon.
1: And Linda's talk was the 28 phases of the moon just in the birth chart? Yes. Okay. Um. No, I, I, thanks for sharing. This is the first one you're going to speak about. There's two right, more. two more. I just, I mean, I 20 years ago studied astronomy, and I didn't like the moon because <laughs> it gets in the way. <laughs> you know, it lights up the sky. You can't see the planets. And now as an astrologer, I'm still not friends with the moon. The emotional stuff gets in the
0: way. on the Capricorn. So Michael Ophick is the second guy I'm going to talk about. And he talked about the Hellenistic doctrine of the moon, Michael, Michael Ophick. Is an Israeli uh, astrologer, and he was great.
1: And uh, tell me your thought process on picking this one. Did you have you uh, heard I, of him? Or? I,
0: I like Hellenistic astrology. I'm interested in the moon. That's going to be the thing I want to bolster. And this perfect uh, him. Did you? I didn't know about him. Again, a second person you did not hear of b- until the conference? But he, so his other talks had to do with, with Hellenistic theory that I knew about. And so I knew that he was, was in the know. I knew that this was a, a legit guy who uh, was well-read. I, I, so it, it, there was a little more ballast to it. Okay. Anyways, Michael Ophick's talk um, talks about the moon in um, kind of uh, – five different phases and matches those phases so first quarter waxing uh gibbons full and then you have the waning gibbons the waning uh final quarter and new um and match them more to the seven um traditional planets uh which made a ton of sense both that hellenistically that's what would happen but also when you talk about that maybe um what you'd say in the in the Yates theory or the the Rudier theory that second quarter when you're coming into your own in life and figuring out your direction so match when, that to a planet so when you're when you're leading towards that full moon that's kind of a sun period right you're shining you're you're oh. cat stepping out you're leading and so th- there was a close correlation between uh, what we saw in the Hellenistic theory and some of the things that Ms Lehman talked about. Additionally, that final quarter, when you're getting close to new again, you're in that kind of close to balsamic phase, that's a Saturnian phase. Again, makes tons of sense. You're here to set aside will and to be a a guide for others, a teacher. You're providing structure. Um, The things that were most fascinating about Michael's talk was the discussion of the moon and how when it touches a planet and moves forward, it takes away with it the impressions of that planet. So if we think of Hellenistic theory of the moon, and I think it's great, um, we think about the moon as almost um, that, that ephemeral or initial mind, the way in which the universe is translated to us. Um, magic uses it in a lot of the same way, so traditional magic practices. But one thing he talked about is in a birth chart, if you look at that last um, Ptolemaic uh, aspect the moon makes, or even better, the last conjunction, you, the moon carries with it until its next aspect, the flavor of what came with it. Now, if we if we take... No common, matter
1: how far the orb or you're just look
0: Right, until it gets to the next look, aspect. You're
1: looking at the path between.
0: Yep. Where so, the
1: where the moons sandwiched between? What planets is the moon between? Is that kind of like where it's heading? Right. I just touch one and it's heading. Um, doesn't matter how far apart they are. Right. It could be 45 degrees. That'd be amazing, okay. a
0: 45-degree void moon. I guess it could make the most... It oh, void moon. void moon, sorry. Um, um, got it. We don't need, I'm not, I don't want to break down void moon and I don't want to break down uh, ideas like affliction, but he did brush on fixed stars when a moon is conjunct with, has a conjuncture with a fixed star, which again is a big uh, traditional or magical approach. Um, He talked about affliction. Um, The thing it made me reflect on is this idea that the moon also signifies the mother and the condition of the native at the time of birth. Now, if we think about that, we think about the condition of the native at the time of birth we're literally talking about again the mother what was her condition In she was the last thing the native touched just like the moon bringing it into life so what was the condition of mom and if you look at that birth chart what that moon's doing is what the moon was doing to mom like if the moon is conjunct pluto in mom's life while you're getting birth the moon is conjunct pluto
1: interesting um, so i
0: thought it was really it touched a lot of things it it it, it tied together lots of Theories and, Was this and a new concept
1: for you? Um, did you go back and look at charts after you heard this? Oh, for this? sure. Did you? Especially
0: going back and looking for that last aspect right. and just kind of feeling it through. Um, the idea that the moon is that ephemeral mind. Um, so m- the moon is where kind of thoughts come from, sort of where emotions become thinking. And Mercury being that way, it's organized and translated, kind of the uh, the messenger, if you will, uh, for um, those notions for the Moon mind. Um, those are all things that I feel really comfortable with. And, and Michael just fleshed it out, and he's one of the first to really dig in and go to all those Hellenistic and traditional philosophers, pull all their Moon stuff out, and pack it all together. If one were inclined to go to that UAC page and purchase a lecture, and I think they're ten or fifteen dollars, super affordable. You can also go to that UAC page and a vast majority, especially of the younger astrologers, took their PowerPoints and they're up on that UAC page. So you can pull them and look at them now. And then if you want to, you can also purchase those recordings. And you can, you know, basically do the conference onesie twosies whenever you're ready.
1: Yeah, I assume the directory that you have in front of you is online somewhere. Yep. Mm-hmm, totally. And you can just go through that and be like, I wish I would have went to this talk. And
0: A- and the PowerPoints, et cetera, are linked to that. Okay. Right. Yeah, right I'll definitely it. check this out. Um, very intrigued. So then finally, I went to Donna Woodwell, who I probably should have heard of. She's uh, been around for a while. I have she's, not. Um, I hadn't. She's from Austin. That might be it. I, she does do a radio show down there, but it's not like a podcast. So she's somewhat isolated in that way. But she did a talk in the Lunar Mansions. And if you go to her website, um, Donna Woodwell, she has all the Lunar Mansions, all the research about each one, so the Picatrix, um, like – abu masif whoever talked about them specifically laid out and then she gives her own interpretation of what it of what that lunar mansion is above now austin Kopic said something really interesting about the faces and he said that the faces are almost like uh an additional superpower that that the person has you know they don't have a huge effect on the overall chart but there's just that one little extra thing that a person could do based on that face and I think that the lunar mansions make a lot of sense that way. If you're not using it in a magical context, which I think Miss um, Woodwell does, um, if you're just thinking about the lunar mansions as as places on the chart, additional bit of information you could take about what's going on, then uh, I think they work a lot like, oh, you know, there's a little extra flavor to where this planet is. And especially on a daily basis, if you're doing some electional work or just going, God, what's happening in the stars today? They just bring a little more context. Just a little extra seasoning. Right. <laughs> um... So I really, really liked her talk too, and I think taking these three ideas together was great. Again, uh, I want to point out that Woodwall's talk, Ms. Woodwall's talk, used twenty-eight lunar mansions, so the same as the Yates channeled twenty-eight phases of the moon. So, do you know?
1: I noticed in the directory there was tracks. So, if you're interested in the moon, there was were were these the same track? Do you know? No, Mm -hmm. they were not. Okay. Michael
0: Ophick and Donna Woodwell were the same track. They were both traditional in Hellenistic astrology. Uh-huh. I don't know what Linda Lehman was. I literally just stuck my finger in the book and was like, moon's going. Okay, got it.
1: Um, very cool. I'm excited you got more excited about the moon. And do you think <laughs> yeah. it's going to enhance your new moon talks you do once a month? Oh, for and, sure. Yeah, you're uh, going to incorporate the...
0: Additionally, it's really going to flavor my readings. Um, oh, okay. I, I know that the moon lore is especially rich. You know, there's moon traditions, moon magic used by farmers all across Europe that, in a lot of ways, was imported to a lot of places in the United States. Um, shoot, the Farmer's Almanac is just moon magic. Um, yeah, and, two years ago, I planted my garden based on the moon. Totally. Yeah. Uh, well, tons of people do it. It's super yeah. common. So, I really, I mean, it's one of the places this interest came from. Um, and so this is just deepening my understanding of the moon, my moon lore, if you will. And it's just going to hopefully be a more focal part of my astrological practice. Additionally, um, one of the big revelations I had in learning from Adam was the idea of set. So the idea that if you have a night chart, so if the sun is below the horizon at the time of your birth, you're more of a lunar person. Um, really the moon is the main sec like in your chart and you're more of that moon sign if you will than the Sun sign which is more common in popular culture so the idea that I have more information about the moon I can make our talks richer and more yeah. theme based and pinpoint a little more I think is just really gonna be helpful to me
1: yeah you're inspiring me not to be so afraid of the moon <laughs> <laughs> it's terrifying as a Capricorn, it can be, yes.
0: All right. Now, we have discussed a bunch of stuff that I find very exciting, and now we are going to branch out into something that Meredith wanted to talk about, and that is certification.
1: Um, yeah. I, I did want to talk about it, and did you uh, talk about it with other people you met at the conference? Did you, hey, am I certified? Did you ask them where their education, as talking to people, or did were mainly just the speakers certified, or did you not just go in there in, in
0: conversation? You know, that's a good that people put things like that in their bios. Um, yeah. When I talk to people, I never brought up certification. We would bring up who you studied with. Right. Um, like I, I took uh, Chris's class, Chris Brennan. Um, I'm going to study with Stephen Forrest next week. That kind of that thing. That kind of thing. I studied uh, electional astrology with Lisa Shime. Uh, I studied um, or with Nick Champion or, or um uh,
1: I mean, did you meet people that this was, like, their first time oh, yeah. at a conference, and did you meet some people? Oh, this is my 10th Tons retreat. of first-timers. Yeah. Um, was it your first? Yeah,
0: my first conference.
1: It was yours.
0: Okay. I'm. Yeah, I'm going to
1: backtrack a little bit, because my first and only has been OPA, um, which was at Mount Zion National Park in October of 2017.
0: Oh, they made you go to Mount Zion.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was beautiful, and it was my first retreat. My husband surprised me and bought me Uh you know, ticket or whatever, res- reserve me a spot there. What a sweetheart. And uh, OPA is the organization for professional astrologers. And there was only about a 100 people. And UAC, probably
0: a 1,000 at least. Oh, maybe a couple thousand.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my experience at OPA was about four days long. And then in the morning, there were scheduled talks. And you didn't have to pick. It was just, that was it. (laughs) The only thing you had to pick, though, there was maybe 10 different tracks by 10 different astrologers. That's what you had to pick. And luckily for me, my husband picked for me. And coincidentally, the day he told me he bought this spot for me was the day I bought Kay Taylor's book. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, who did you, what track am I signed up for? Guess whose track? Kay Taylor. So um, there's just 10 people in the track. And I mean, it was... Even just after a small conference, my mind was blown. I was burnt out. Like it was just so much information and I feel I felt like I knew nothing. I still kind of do with astrology. I'm like, there's so much to learn. It's impossible to know it all. And this is a good maybe segue to certification, because even if you get certified, you don't know it all. You never can. Um, any kind of education. So what I did for certification, I researched opas. Uh, the steps they make you go through. And I'm just curious um, for myself and for other people out there listening, if you're curious on getting certified, what you need to do, how much it costs, and the time you need to put towards it. So for OPA, I'm actually signed up for the next conference in Tucson in October 2018 for my first step towards certification. And they require a class, um, Astronomy for Astrologers. Uh, You need to participate in a peer group process and participate in integrative counseling skills. And from what I understand, they only offer these about once per year. Oh. Um, so I think it would take two to three years to get certified, and each, you know, retreat costs about three to five hundred bucks, and plus airfare and hotels. So each trip's going to cost you maybe two thousand dollars times three years, um, but then you're certified. And I think for the OPA, you have to get recertified every seven years. Um, I kind of was. Uh, I think astrology. This is just my personal opinion. Is about thirty years. Be- behind yoga so 30 years ago did you see yoga studios on the corner um if someone said they did yoga you're like probably what's that um i my dream is for astrology to get to where yoga is today um they actually have a national kind of organization um you have to do continuing education for yoga and i think that's important for astrologers like i just said there's so much to learn and i don't know you drive down the street you see a yoga studio a dentist and a chiropractor and maybe someday you'll see an astrologer's office right there
0: so do you think the certification process helped yoga become mainstream?
1: Ooh, I don't know. Um, I don't know I don't know the history of it. Um, did, could you do yoga 30 or 40 years ago and not be certified? or did lawsuits happen? And then they decided like, oh we better like get this kind of mainstream. There's a national organization that's all I know. you have to pay but could annual you fees. Now? Like
0: could I open a yoga studio and just teach yoga? And then if people didn't come because I was crappy at it, to just I would just fail.
1: I don't know, but I want to know. You're saying, can I teach yoga and not be certified? Right. I don't think you can. Who would check? Ooh, good question. I don't know. Um, I assume you can't teach yoga without being certified. Can you, I mean, you can teach physics on the street, but can you teach physics at a university? But yeah, if you, I don't know.
0: Right. So now you can't say you're a Bikram yoga Person without getting without paying Bikram Yoga and getting their certification, so you can put the name up like a Dairy Queen franchise.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, going back to astrology certification, um, there's so many different ways to get certified, and what does it really mean? Um, and I also researched um, Stephen Forrest apprenticeship and certification program. He again takes a couple years, at least five hundred bucks a pop to get to his conference. He requires so many hours of live training, so many books you need to read, um, and also does not include lodging and meals and travel and all that other kind of stuff. So if you do want to get certified, like I think I do want to, you are. We're going to get to that. But um, it's going to cost me maybe in total $5,000 over three years. So that's a big investment, not like a college degree investment, but it's important for me to Kind of have a stamp of approval from somebody, but I don't know if my clients care.
0: You know, right? That's that's my question. And also, I don't know now if you got a certification from Stephen Forrest. I know that you do evolutionary astrology, and I know that Stephen Forrest worked with you personally. That that tells me a lot. But I'm also an astrologer, and I know who Stephen Forrest is, and I know what he practices.
1: Right, and all of um everyone that's been certified by him has it on their website. Trained by Stephen Forrest. Um, I'm really drawn to Stephen Forrest, so I'm like, oh, if I'm going to get a reading. I'm gonna go to one of somebody that Stephen Forrest trained. If I can't afford Stephen Forrest, and I think he has like a three-year waiting oh, list, yeah. so uh, of course I'm gonna go to one of um, his people. So, but again, I I've seen this with clients like people about 15, 20 years younger than us, and are their, their mid, early 20s. Astrology is becoming more mainstream. Oh yeah, and they like there's so many YouTube stars of astrology <laughs> world, and but they're not and, all good. Yeah, that's true, but like. These younger this younger generations coming in, like knowing astrology, and I'm seeing that more and more and more. So the names are starting to matter more a little bit, and they're going to pick who they're going to go see a reading based on who they studied under, I think.
0: So here's an interesting aside. Uh, there was a young woman at the astrology conference who I recognized from Twitter, and she has a ton of followers. I think she's college-aged, maybe her really early 20s, and she put some stuff on Twitter that it is wonky astrology. I'll, I'll leave it at that.
1: I've seen a few, the younger girls. And I saw
0: her at the conference and I couldn't have been more excited because I think that she is earnestly wants to learn more about astrology. And I was like, this is where you need to be. Yeah. Like you will get squared away very quickly just going to any one of these um, rooms so that even if what you're going to do is express maybe some things that that I don't vibe with or that I, I think might not uh, be where I would direct people, you're going to be able to say, I learned this from so-and-so. You know This is the ballast from behind it. So here is my take on uh, employment certification requirements. I don't like them at all. I think they're terrible, and I think that they can cripple industries. I think they're really important in situations where um, people um, expect a specific standard of outcome. So I think that a dentist needs to have a certification. I think it makes a ton of sense for lawyers to um, have a bar where you can um, say this person passed the bar. They were welcomed um, into the legal profession, though you can have anyone represent you um, and you can represent yourself. Um, the person can't say I'm representing you as a lawyer uh, because uh, you have to, you know, have passed a bar to say that. But um, there, there really aren't rules about it. Where And medicine there is um medicine you can't pretend to practice medicine you can't say i'm a doctor and just cut into someone's leg and pull out uh, all right
1: um but so you, so what i'm hearing is for astrology you think not necessary
0: i think that there can be a lot of value in it if people know they're informed consumers already and they know what they're getting so annie ortley who i really love has passed the the highest test for every you know group that uh, that gives one out. So she's got like level three NCGR, whatever level ISAR is. Yeah. Um. She teaches at OPA. Um. So Annie Ortley. She was at the last conference. Yeah. She, she's great, and and I think that that it really does legitimize her in a lot of ways, and lets me know where Annie Ortley comes from. But so just any rube off the street doesn't know what it means, and. I'm I just feel really strongly that the reason people resonate with Annie Ortley is because Annie Ortley's is funny. She's really incisive, really smart. Yeah,
1: I mean, we've talked to her. I had no clue she was certified by all these orgs until you told me you know even being an astrologer i didn't know that but i really like her too she's funny she had everyone at opa in tears like it was just so we were laughing it was so welcome humor at that point because it's very serious and your brain's fried personality
0: goes a long way
1: um but let me just say this because i have a background in psychology Mm -hmm. and that's what uh my undergraduate degree is in and as an astrologer the more readings you do you hear some fucked up stuff yeah and as a psychologist or even a you know a teacher, I think if you hear something that needs to be reported, someone is being hurt, um, you you know you've heard about a crime, like some ethical kind of things, I think it I don't see the bad thing about that being regulated with astrology. Um, so if somebody comes to me I'm like oh and admits a crime to me or something horrible, I'm like oh I'm, is it this confidential or do I have you know, an ethical obligation to go to the police or whoever with this information.
0: I'm all for ethics, and I think standards are great. But who is going to enforce that? The state.
1: Well, who enforces the yoga certification? I Just don't the think national organization. Who enforces um, the teachers and the psychologists who are required by law to go to the state? Does the state does? Yes. It's a government thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay.
0: But so, that's that's where I struggle. I see a lot of this as a racket. Now, I'm not saying Opas a racket. Those are super legit people. But when you start requiring people to have specific certifications to work in certain areas, and then you start charging people to get those certifications, pretty soon, giving those certifications becomes a business, and you're setting up Rasmussen for astrologers. Right. Well, right. And
1: education is a business, and, and, and sometimes and also, it's a racket that's true um oh okay yeah i mean astrology is not regulated
0: no at all i actually
1: like that yeah um but i also have i hold myself to higher moral standards and ethics and i've actually admittedly listened to a few podcasts now where people say they had really bad readings, and some people should not be practicing astrology because they're telling people stuff they should not be telling them.
0: But the market has to take care of that. Who is going to be in charge of going in and kicking them out? Now, there are people yeah. who just are, are lousy astrologers or are too harsh, and you can hear through the grapevine or go to them once and decide you're not going to go again. But I just don't think like having uh, a bureaucrat in a bad suit show up and, uh, all right, give me a reading now, madame. And having a, you know, boxes to check, and if you don't hit those boxes, you're out of business. I just don't see how that's ever going to be the case, and I, I hope it's not.
1: Okay. No, I,
0: I hear you, and I agree. No, I will provide an analogy. So I'm into bird dogs, and I have a German wear-haired pointer. Um, I think that looking at um, pedigrees can help a lot with astrology. I know a lot about how someone... Views astrology based on who they've studied with and how they identify their practice. So I took Chris Brennan's course. Well, you know the nuts and bolts of Hellenistic astrology. I studied with um, Stephen Forrest. Okay, you have an evolutionary understanding of nodes as the progression of the spirit, and you really, really care about Pluto. And I'm, I'm making this as small as possible, but you see what I'm saying. Right. With bird dogs, you look at the bird dog's grandparents, you know, and, and they can pass tests. Uh, they can. Um, Win awards, that kind of thing helps a lot, but nothing helps as much as going behind where in a field and watching it hunt or spending time with those dogs in the yard. And there's this buildup of information, institutional knowledge, you might want to call it, that individuals in the community have. And so those names on that pedigree just means a ton to them. If anything, I think some of those certifications can serve just as general building blocks so that we know where you come from. So, I have a certification from Adam Allenboss, but I would, other than dropping his name so people can just have an understanding of where I come from, um, I, I would never hang that up on the wall and say, you can trust me as a good astrologer because Adam gave me a test and I passed it. Okay,
1: go on, let me ask you then. So, what is Adam? require to become certified through his is a nightlight school of astrology
0: right and you have to it's a full year he has a couple tracks he has a first year track second year track then one year is
1: it a number of hours of study or
0: classroom attendance yeah there's a there's an attendance requirement i don't think i ever missed a class so i don't know
1: um do you remember how much it cost no do you <laughs> did you <laughs> have to a travel sale.
0: uh no didn't have to travel it was all online
1: everything was online okay that's i don't know but live Any other courses that you can get? I'm sure other astrologers offer online certification. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's just, I would say maybe a hundred different people you can get certified through.
0: Right, and I really Um, think of it more as just a checkmark on your pedigree than I think of it as like an actual certification without which you could not practice. And does Adam have any certifications that you know of? Uh, Adam studied with a lot of people. I don't know if Chris Brennan hands out certifications. He took his course, I think. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know if he took the course live or if he just got the recording and he said, let's do it a bunch of times. I, I honestly don't know.
1: Do you remember your thought process on how you decided to, t- to take Adam's course? And um, you're like, this is the certification for me. How did do you remember?
0: It uh, was it was uh, my Pluto square <laughs> and my mo- I have a moon Pluto natally. And I needed to invest some emotional energy someplace. And I sent Adam an email. Um, Why
1: Adam? Did you send any other emails?
0: No, but I went and looked at other courses. So the other course I was thinking of was Chris's. Um, And the reason I you could buy all Chris's lectures, and I was thinking I would do that. The reason I liked Adam was Adam was doing traditional astrology, but also it was going to be live. Like There was going to be a group of people who got together every week. Live classroom stuff. In fact, I met a bunch of people uh, that I took the class with Adam with who were at UAC.
1: In person for the first time. Yeah, yeah. no, so it had nothing to do with Adam being from Minnesota.
0: and Oh, I, was, that was company. That's, okay. that's one of the – I mean, we bonded for sure. Yeah. Uh, we were in a fantasy football group together last year, so Adam and I are buddies, but that wasn't the initial – like, that didn't happen immediately. Okay. Um, yeah, shout-out to Lucas if you're listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. So how many cl- – uh, do you remember how big your class was?
0: There were, there were a bunch. Some people only took six months. Some people took the whole year. I would say there were 30 or 40 oh, people initially. Oh, can you do initially. a 6 months certification? It's not a, you don't get the certification then. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. You have to do the full year. Okay. Um, and then he does, uh, he'll does. he do apprenticeships. I really think that's valuable for a lot of people. But again, like if you apprentice with Maurice Fernandez, here's a great example, yeah. who is the president of OPA. Right. I wouldn't look at your certification from OPA and say, well, that's really fancy. And then someone else tells me, I spent a year apprenticing with, Uh, Maurice Fernandez, I I would be just, if not more, impressed by the year apprenticeship as I would by the fancy certification from OPA. Again, each their own on on that. Like, yeah, yeah, it depends. Um, I'm not telling people what to think. I just think that industries end up um, taking over certification processes and then they use them either as gatekeepers, like we have this field and we don't want other people in it because we, we like how we're making money we like the number of people in it, Or they figure out how to train people up to make money off the training them up process. I'm not saying astrologers generally would do that, but I guarantee that specific groups would. We have marketing groups who are sucking up astrologers now and putting their um, wares through the marketing process. Now, some of the astrologers who are joining these groups are super legit. For example, uh, Donna Woodwall, who did the uh, Lunar Mansions talk, works with, I think, Astrology Hub. She is super legit like she starts with essential dignities i mean so she's providing education to people who otherwise might not get it that's high end and great yeah right where i would start too but it still makes me leery
1: okay yeah the other thing i mean that's a good point so going back just to my undergraduate education i majored in psychology but they made me take all these what are they called? generals or something like Mm -hmm. i had to take a stage hand-to-hand combat class like all these things you just junk they throw in because they think you need this in life or something. And I wonder if astrology like I you know I'm a freak about the nodes. Like I wanna invest all my time, free time in the nodes if I get certified if I'm am I gonna have to are they gonna make me take a forty hours on Vedic or, or something that I maybe don't want to like And I think spend that there on. could be
0: value in that too. I'm sure you've heard Chris Brennan's story of going to Kepler College which was uh, somewhat, accred- I think at one point they were actually accredited. You could take student loans out to go to Kepler. And- you
1: could. I did listen to that podcast. Are okay. you shocked?
0: But <laughs> he he didn't want to study Hellenistic astrology. I, I did
1: listen to that one, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was back, I think Kepler was actually a physical building. Yeah. And mm-hmm, now Seattle. that does not exist
0: anymore. Not that I'm aware. Um, but I the point f- is he studied Hellenistic astrology, fell in love. Look, you know, getting having your professor be Demetri George probably helps. Um fell in love and it's been his career ever since Um, so I think that there is a strong argument for that uh, if you will liberal education where you're exposed to lots of things again though I don't know that just because someone has a degree from Kepler College that they are going to be a great astrologer or resonate with me individually I think that there are all different um, kinds and types of astrology Um, and just like man I mean chiropractic is such a great example I think that there are some brilliant chiropractors And I think that there are some people who just aren't that great at it. And I think that if you find a brilliant chiropractor, you're in great hands. And I think the exact same analogy can be said about an astrologer. If you find a brilliant astrologer who does a good job and you resonate with, you're in great hands. You could find someone else who just hung up a shingle, and 20 minutes in, you realize it's just not the person for you. And Yeah,
1: and astrology is such a unique craft, too, because none of us are in this for the money. I mean, I, I'm friends with dentists and you know once in a while you find a dentist that just loves teeth. That just can't stop talking about teeth. And then most of the time they're like, Oh, they're they're in it for the money. It's a good job, you get Fridays off, whatever, you work part time, but you make tons of money. That's great.
0: From a long line of eye doctors, I know all about what you're talking about.
1: Oh uh, well my dad's an eye optometrist or yeah. He was, yeah. Um but my dad actually legitimately loved eyes. <laughs> like he kept talking about all eye stuff. Um but astro- i mean—is there one astrologer on the planet that doesn't love astrology? That's there a isn't. Great point. You know, like we all love it. We're not in it to make any money because you don't like it takes forever to even make a living doing this. And like that's the diff- like even yoga instructors, no one's doing that for the money either. You love your craft. You're passionate about it. You you're excited about it. And I can't say that for every other mainstream. And career. do you see why that's
0: it makes me feel funny when we're talking about certifications? Because I see someone who's clever, who's good at making money taking astrology, turning that passion into a way to fill up their pocketbooks or their bank account, and, and just turning that, like, basically capitalizing that passion. And, uh, and I, mean, I think one of the gateways to doing that is to require any kind of certification.
1: I think it can happen without that. Um, sure.
0: Grifters are grifters. Or I shouldn't even say that. People who are good at making money are good at making money. Some are grifters. Some are just good at making money, and they're providing a service people love. Um, and some astrologers are going to make a lot of money and some astrologers are going to make very little and it might have all to do with what that astrologer wants to do with astrology right my point is i get very leery when we decide to put up gatekeepers
1: no i hear you um again i was kind of more neutral about certification an hour ago um now you've kind of made me the wheels turn and i'm I, I am getting, I'm going to step one in OPA, but again, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be certified and I, I don't care that much. It's a great organization. I, no, it is. Of really I love the conference and I'm like, maybe I just want to go to the conferences. Um, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm taking the astronomy course and really it's for my own self too, because 20 years ago I was, I studied astronomy and I want to get back into it. I don't speak the language as well as I used to. So it's really more for me and not for the certification. And I'm excited just to be around. You know, a small group of people. I'm more of an introvert, so small is better for me. Uh, I will get to UAC at some point. UAC's we, so big. You or, can hide so easily. Well, there's <laughs> a... Is it ISAR, I think, in Baltimore 2019? I, I think it's ISAR. I might go to that one. We'll see. Um, but I think we should go to one together. Yeah. And then split off and then compare notes. For like, sure. to different talks.
0: Well, obviously, we'll have a booth with the basement astrologer we <laughs> Yeah, yeah we, we'll yeah, be taping totally. mini pods. For sure. Yeah.
1: Um, no, very cool. Um, anything else you want to say about your experience at UAC or questions about the OPA retreat that I went to um I No uh,
0: I want oh, hi Kelsey, hi Marie. I met so many awesome people. Emily, um my MOT friend. What's uh, MOT? If he, he, member of the tribe. <laughs> <I don't know laughs> nice. what that means either. Uh, <laughs> you. please uh send me an email. Um I want to it was a great time. It made lots of friends. I can't wait for the next one. Um Everyone go to UAC. Rah rah rah.
1: Yeah, everybody put pictures on our Facebook page from UAC with Kip and Instagram. Aren't you hunting for a picture?
0: <laughs> hey, oh, I am. Uh, if any, if, if the person who took <laughs> my picture with Carolyn Casey. Happens to listen to this podcast. I want that picture, damn it. <laughs> yes, send
1: it to the basement astrologers at gmail.com. I geeked
0: out Kip, over yes. Carolyn Casey so hard. Well,
1: what? that was my favorite thing on Twitter. Like, everyone's just freaking out. All these astrologers, these, you know, famous astrologers stepping off the elevator. And really, everyone else in the United States wouldn't recognize these people, but we just love them and respect them. And we're so excited.
0: I mean, I could just go on and on about that. But the first day I go around the corner to use the little boys' room, and Stephen Forrest is just walking down the hall all by himself.
1: Well, you sent me a text. You're like, like, everyone's like, pss, 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 oh my god, that's Stephen Forrest. Pss, 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 oh my god, that's Robert Hand. You know, like all yeah. these like complete astro geeks. That's really awesome. Yeah, Robert
0: Hand sat right in front of me at Dorian Greenbaum's lecture. I was like, holy shit. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> no, I bet you were humbled, and I bet it was a great time. And just again, I, I'm kind of jealous that
0: me I get humbled
1: going to wrap it up i think this was episode seven of the basement astrologers um uh, we would like to sign off and we want to thank you for listening this afternoon we enjoyed local brews from summit brewery in saint paul minnesota we'd also like to thank july fighter band of minneapolis for our opening and closing music please find them on any music streaming service this episode was brought to you by kip and mine's second house Please follow us on Twitter at Basement Astro and our Facebook group, The Basement Astrologers. We can be reached at email address thebasementastrologers@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you regarding possible topics and also if you'd be interested in being a guest on our pod in a future episode.
0: And we're going to have guests coming up.
1: We are. We have a guest very shortly that will be announced soon. You can visit our website at www.thebasementastrologers.com. Good night, Earthlings.